Soundbites Radio is your source for candid discussion aimed to create a world that's inclusive, spiritually connected, living in love, peace, joy, harmony, and abundance now. Content ranges from social justice to racial equity, religion, arts, culture, and more. Sunday night, it's Sound Bites International Radio. 
with black consciousness is to claim one world is the aim dedicated to a conversation to move our humanity forward in the greatest of ways but first starts with the healing starts with the process starts with the journey so we're here to have with y'all family so we in here on a blessed sunday on a hot sunday first i want to give um shout you know some spread some some good love and some energy um and uh, some supportive vibes to everybody right now uh, especially I'm hearing in, in, in Brooklyn and parts of Brooklyn and Queens mm-hmm. are going through the blackout. Um, you know, stay safe, conserve the energy, y'all. Um, you know, just just be with your peoples uh, and, and, and let's chill out as much as possible. It's a crazy heat wave. It's probably just like the the, the hottest summer we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. So if you ain't just first time uh, watching, this is Hasir uh, Khan Nefera, and to my right is Miss Nefera. Yes, yes. And this is Soundbites International Radio. So if you're tuning in, um, talk about various topics. So share with your friends and your peoples. Uh, please join the conversations. Um, we're going to throw some thoughts around. And we're going to make a disclaimer right now that, you know, whatever we talk about today, um, uh, which does include any you know, topics of health, things of that nature, um, we're talking about from our hearts, from what we know, right? We're clear we're not scientists, but we're going to talk about some things. So just to give you a heads up and a preface. Um, but we would love for you, to, with that, we love to invite you to join the conversations um, because they're important. You know what I mean? And as long as we have dialogue and constant conversation, we can get to some, some solutions um, one day. <laughs> right. Yeah, we keep the conversation going in the hopes of, of uh, supporting our people and our family as well as providing them with the opportunities to expand their conversation, also to build up the confidence, because I, we do know that there's quite a bit of apprehension to address some of the, to- some of the, the, con- some of the content that we talk about in our real lives. Right. Um, we do know that a lot of times we don't want to um, make a hard, what is it, a hard uh, position on certain hard things. Hard position, yeah, that sounds um, about right, yeah. Yeah, hard position on some things. Some of us, we like to straddle the fence a little bit because mm-hmm. we don't want to come across as, you know, I don't know. In my opinion, you know, at a certain p- p- time in your life, you, you create value systems that matter right. to you. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, but that that's, that's the beauty. That's, that's one of the things you have to accept about the complexity and the beauty of being a human being is that, Yet you can actually sit in a you can sit in a position you can take a position right if you believe in it enough and you have enough um, knowledge and backing behind it that supports you you can sit in it but also understand that there's a, a beauty in like being able to change perspectives receive new information um, move forward and you can even stand strong in those positions in, in, in that it keeps changing that's the that exactly. beauty and evolution of being a human being we can say a lot of things um, think a lot of things but these conversations is to have us think differently, think critically and think differently mm-hmm. um, because that's the only way we get better, right? You know, we live, we breathe, we never stop learning, we never stop um, growing until we, you know, until the cast is closed, so. Well, ideally, growth is an everyday conversation. Right. It's something that we are um, developing as individuals and we're also exchange, changing our landscape as we are providing new information. Right. Unfortunately, we didn't have one full kit of information and experiences. So there's a lot of breakdowns in mm-hmm. our evolution and development, our intellectual development, our social development. Mm. So as we are introduced to certain things, our positions and circumstances, the things that we learn should impact our actions. Right. Um, and I realize that sometimes we get into the learning piece, but we don't put it into action. We right. actually put it into play. It actually is supposed to change the way you think, 
communicate, love, interact, grow, the way you spend your money, the way you right. move, where you travel, the you activities, spend your time. the things that you do, the people that you surround yourself with. As you garner new information that shapes your, your, your viewpoint, it should actually shift your behavior. Right. Um, Absolutely. Just not for the purposes of collecting information or taking classes or having experiences. It should actually impact the way you live your life. Right. Supporting thoughts. Ideally. Right. I know it definitely has impacted the way that I live my life and, and mm. a lot of things about um, the way that I have personally evolved. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to get into some topics today. Um, one of which, you know, to to not say close it out, it's an ongoing conversation, right? But looking at the um, the Ava DuVernay series, When They See Us, yes. um, which is, which you know became a hot topic near the end of June, um, became one of the number one... Uh, watch shows on Netflix mm-hmm. within the first 24 hours, which is incredible. So we got to give it up to Ava DuVernay for that, um, for bringing the important stories that need to be told uh, to the forefront and on a public landscape so we can have the conversations. It's real. Shouts to them for winning. No, excuse me, winning. Jumping the gun. But being nominated for, so. for six, yeah, let's hope so, for uh, 16, I think it was 16 Emmy nominations. Mm. It's crazy. You know, about to take home all the gold, right? Um, I realize, you know, it's, it, awards are, are great. You know, it's not necessarily a, about that per se, but it's great to know when your work is being recognized um, on larger landscapes. But it really is the, the power lies in the story that was told, which is the story of um, the once labeled Central Park Five. We now call them the Exonerated, exonerated five, five because um, we want to throw away all the negative connotations of what society claimed they were um, and expected these, these the young men to be. Um, talking about... Uh, you know, brother Kevin, Antron, um, uh, Corey, <laughs> uh, Raymond, and um, oh my God, my Yusuf, Yusuf, Yusuf. The, uh, the the brothers they lived a, they they lived a, a life early, <laughs> right? By virtue of um, hmm. the the U.S. judicial system, the inju- the in- injustice system is what we're gonna call Gosh it because that's what it I'm is. I'm here for that. I mean, that's just what it is. So, I mean, looking By at what it... Of, the, of what it's produced. Right. So, like, when you call it what it is, then it's gonna, then you understand it's operating as it should um, or as is expected and designed, right? So, so I mean, for anyone who's not aware of the case, it was with 1989, a Central Park jogger, um, a young white woman who was attacked in, in the park, in Central Park, on a jog in April of 1989. Um, and somehow these five young men... Um, between what 13 and like 16 or something at like that time. at the time um, were just you know eeny meeny miny mode they just ran over and pulled together to be suspects um, in this case and, and coerced into intimidated intimidated coerced and you know beaten and, and verbally and emotionally and mentally abused um, by law enforcement and, and, and you know there's prosecutors and all that to take the rap and it regardless of all the evidence ag- that against that they knew ahead of time they knew ahead of time evidence you know stating claiming their innocence with like such uh like magnitude still took still took the fall still took time still got years on them the majority of them served what anywhere between i think about five to eight yeah and then you know and then there's the the brother Corey wise who who took the brunt of it all 
um, was serving, I think, almost 15 well, years. Well, because the other ones went to juvenile. Right, they went and to they juvenile, right, and they were together. Um, and he's the only one who... Blessing, Sister Carol, we see you. Thank you for Peace joining us. Blessing. Um, Lena, thank you out there. We see you on Sha- uh, Laura. We appreciate you. Please yes, share the yes. link. Please Join share. the conversation. Add your comments. Be yeah, a part of the sure. conversation with us. Please do. Um, we want to hear you. And we definitely want to hear your voice. We definitely want to be a space for holding the space. Right. Um, but Corey, yeah, he was he was imprisoned um, in adult prison. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty much by himself going through the journey. Yeah. Moved around. Um, moved yeah. further and further away from family. Moved and like, went through solitary. Went through all these these um, just torturous conditions over his time. And the, the the heartbreaking part about it, not only of course just the, the treatment, his treatment, um, and and the consistent um, denial of his of his innocence, but uh, the fact that he, he just went to support his brother, his brother, you know, and like and went to support his friend and stepped out to support his friend and, and took ended caught up, up taking caught up in getting just like a, a hard a hard deal. Um, so his his survival and his being you know alive and his testimony today to allow the story to be told by um, the good sister Ava DuVernay um, and all the incredible the incredible cast um, in when they see us was is is a true testament to the survival and, and, and thriving power of uh, us resilience as a people and the resilience of us as a people. Um, yeah, and some you know there definitely was some intercession on his behalf with the ancestors because he went through yeah. some. Really, really severe and harsh conditions, um, mm-hmm. and that the, the conditions he went went through, you know, it just shook me in a very different way because mm. at the end of the day, the, what's good about the examination of looking, you know, back into the experience and then looking at all the time that unfolded in between that is you can see all that occurred as a result of that. First of all. What they did to those young men, they do to this day to our young men. Still, they're still doing it, yeah. and right now it's going to happen. It happens similarly, but covertly in a way within the system, mm-hmm. um, because there's something to to understand that there's a funnel between the prison, the school, the prison pipeline. I don't know that we're really conscious of of the prison system and how it's layered. Mm-hmm. When they privatize the prison system, we now need to keep the shelves filled with people, right? Mm-hmm. But because the African has always been seen as a utility, something that mm. I can use. It's never been, the people don't, this society never created an African as a person, mm-hmm. which is why they had a lot of science. They shaped, the white consciousness has been shaped around looking at black African people as utilities. Mm. That is the white consciousness that this country has been created on. Right. It's legality, it's systems, everything functions. Inventions, patents, so, things yes, like when that. When we talk about white supremacy, right, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the systems consciousness created to support and uplift and uphold and maintain the repetition of white-centered consciousness. Mm-hmm. Okay? So with that being said, now that we privatize the prison system, we can just shuffle black people and also minority people, people of color, into this place because... We consistently create a society where nobody cares about African lives. Mm-hmm. African lives don't matter. Right. Black lives are black lives. I mean, I have a, I have a little bit of, you know, I, I flip back and forth with black, but black in and of itself is no, is no root. It has no root. Um, and, and holding on to that reality is also something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. As an African person, 
and as a white-centered consciousness within our society consistently talks about black, right? Or they try to call themselves, we're going to use different language, um, people of color, persons of color. But that, that's another spin-off conversation that mm-hmm. doesn't give enough meat to the unique situation that is happening to African blacks in America. Right. Period. Right. So, yes, these young men were, you know, they were just picked off and just put into this situation and sat into the prison system. Mm-hmm. Used and their their humanity consistently denied, um, consistently diminished their personage within the system. Right. And then there was so much breakdown within the system. Mm-hmm. The, the, the officers, the things which, you know, as, as, as being a previous prison guard, um, having been on that side of the fence, I see how some of these sick human beings within our society become law enforcement officers, correctional officers, or the police of the prison system. It becomes a power the play because of a badge. Or the pigs of the prison system. And, you know, they bring their unfortunate social condition to the prison, to their job. And that's not the only job that a lack of humanity and unfortunate social condition shows up in the workplace, mm. in action <clears throat> within people, which is why I say to you, people make things happen. And people Always. don't make things happen. So we don't need to talk about, yeah, we can talk about the white supremacist-centered system, etc., as a big macrocosm, which me- represents the systems of our living experience. But we also get to talk to people, because on a daily day basis, people are making things happen. Exactly. And people are not making things and happen. People are constantly choosing. People are constantly choosing. So, and and with with great understanding of the system that we have today, and it's either a side of just um, blatant ignorance um, and chosen ignorance and silence, which is like might as well put that in the space of such chosen ignorance. Um, And then there's there's ones that want um, things to change, but they've it's it's now they've been kind of like pigeonholed into a, a system of the, this learned helplessness to where it feels like I want this to change, but well, I don't know I how. Do? What can I do? And, 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 we're at, and we're at a loss. So it's like there's a lot of factors working against this idea of transforming right. not only just like this system, but this human condition that we're living in mm-hmm. um, every day, uh, which, you know, it actually does t- uh, permeate even outside of U.S. walls. Right. But just, you know, but looking at specifically, we were talking about, you know, these uh, Ideology, land of the free, home of the brave, and all these these right. nice these niceties and things of that nature. Um, we want to believe that we're in a space of of of, of, of freedom, um, and we want to believe that we can change, or that change is going to come and not just be a trope that you know people just say and it's all good, high five, and then go back to the normalities of. Um, things are still happening. Think people are still beginning being violated, uh, persecuted, abused discriminated against shunned um you know d- denied access to mm-hmm. no, to central um basic essentials needed to live out your human your human humanity i don't even say just commu- human condition your but yeah your quality quali- thank you quality of life um was the terminology i'm looking for but like it's we but it's we're in a space where we literally are controlling every aspect of that it's not necessarily the system was this thing that kind of was like put in the space in, in the space of people's thinking that something was was taking control, and now it's it's, it's been so long indoctrinated within people that it's as a figurehead itself is kind of like permeated its way just in people now. It's not even like this one this giant monster is in people now. People are believing this is what what should be. People are believing that this is what life should be. That life should be hard. That people 
that hate should exist, that these are the natural orders of things, and it's that's just not the case. It just doesn't have to be the case. Right. Um, if we expect others to live um, and, and, and in peace, others to live in harmony with one another. But harmony has not been taught. Har- har- like uh, d- Division and hierarchies and um, some must have and some must not. Win, lose, lose, win is what we've been conditioned to the point where we wouldn't, we don't even know anything else really, you know, and it is, it can be as low level as our, you know, everyday friendships or how we even talk to ourselves to just how we deal with the system in general, which can lead into how we teach our kids, how we um, work at the post office, how, you know, all these, these parts, law enforcement. um, And then, you know, we got police brutality and you have children and family, children in cages and families being separated and all these parts. So until we're willing to be with, the accountability conversation around who we are as human beings with one another, um, there will always be this, this, this monster that is the system, which is, which is really um, the manifestation of, 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 of us in the now. Because we've accepted and chosen to accept that something is, something is responsible for, for all of this right now, and it's not us. Right. And, it, and, and we need to take action to, around understanding it is us. You know, it on, on ma- at many levels. It is our lack of action. Lack of action. It is our, it is our complicitness mm-hmm. and helplessness. Right. Because guess what? Um, I had a very early lesson on learning to be resourceful. And I can tell you as an African person in America, having dealt with the circumstances and situations of our living condition, uh, resourcefulness and creativity is a part of our uh, survival strategy. Right. It's a survival mechanism. You have to make do. You guys know it as a term like Grandma would say, make do. You got to make do. Make do don't mean, you know, experience it the way it is. Make do means create the solution to have it turn out. Make do. Make it work. Have it turn out, right? So, yeah, I think some of that gets lost in our evolution as human beings. And also, the, the longer we evolve within this system... This is why I say that um, I have to give a shout out to our sister Lori Daniels over Afro State of Mind. Um, and her premise is that we are all recovering white supremacists. Why? By virtue of exposure. Right. By virtue of the fact that your consciousness has been cultivated within a system that is white centered. Mm-hmm. Is the consciousness of white supremacists. You cannot avoid it. African, black people, People of color coming from migrated descendants of slaves. You've been reared. Your consciousness has been cultivated within a space that has groomed white-centered consciousness in all things. Mm -hmm. So even though you are a brown person, a black person, a red person, a yellow person, your consciousness is functioned within a white-centered consciousness. Mm -hmm. And you may or may not agree with that, and that's well and good. You don't have to. By virtue of your actions, it is demonstrated. Mm. And this is her premise. So when she says, I'm a white supremacist in reform, what that means is I'm taking control of my consciousness. I'm cultivating my own consciousness. I'm redirecting my energy, and I'm reeducating myself with my homemade education, and I am fortifying my my, my consciousness into what I believe is best. And what I'm creating as my contribution to the Earth's landscape. Mm -hmm. So I am a white supremacist in reform. Because guess what? A white-centered cultural experience doesn't support 
lifting an African from, you know, from his experience. It doesn't create that. It doesn't create solutions that support elevating your well-being mm-hmm. and your community's well-being and bringing your skills back to your community and lifting your community. Mm-hmm. It doesn't speak to that. So this is why when we build this conversation out between the breath of time that it's been since the 80s when this Central Park, uh, when this exonerated five, excuse me, uh, came to be, there's a lot of pieces of that conversation. There were grown adults, right? The majority of them were white-skinned people, white people, white-skinned people, because white people, all white people is not created equal. Some mm. people have white skin privilege, but they're not necessarily white. Or white meaning European or um, from Europe, right, per se. But they have they have access to white skin privilege. Right. Okay, so there were a lot of people in those courtrooms. There were a lot of people that looked unhovered over those children. Children, right? Um, and they decided to doom their futures in a situation that's already a volatile living experience for an African young male to begin with. And when you listen to their story, they all actually had hopeful futures. Yeah. They all had hopeful futures. They, you know, um, Raymond, he had a little bit of things going on in his life. John Lee was an old son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a few things going on in his life, but I feel like he wouldn't have been so bad off had not been for this situation. Right. Right. He came he out. He may have been able to recover. Things, you know. And it wasn't, you know, he got caught up in young simpleness, foolishness in the 80s. What was in the 80s? The crack era. Crack hit the streets by, by, by storm five or six years. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can look at these things as the evolution of our living experience and how they've impacted us. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see those men have. They received an opportunity to have a new life. Mm, and they also got to tell their story directly. Yeah. And also, they actually were able to um, audit yeah. the facts from their perspective. Yeah. Um, there's actually an interview with, that they did, uh, Eva did with Oprah Winfrey after, and, and the Central Park, and the exonerated 5C. Look, that's what I mean by... It's just in the space. Right, and right. it becomes second nature unless you correct it. And right. you have to actually check in and correct it. Right. But um, the Exonerated Five and the actors that played their roles as youth, as young adults, um, they were on the, they were in the interview. And it was really good to see them audit Ava's um, commitment to facts from their perspective. Mm-hmm. They were very happy with the results. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, has after after being an African person that lived through that experience, uh, I was double traumatized by that experience because I lived it when they were experiencing it, and I was I felt so helpless and upset as a 13, 14, 15 year old at that time myself, seeing Trump take out full page ads in the Daily News to incite propaganda. Mm-hmm. Right? They they were not guilty from day one. They literally decided to put a round peg into a square hole and they forced it in by any means necessary. And a whole lot of people, hundreds of millions of people all over the United States, all the readership of the Daily News and the Post and all the front covers that that was posted that he took out and articles and rhetoric that was going on, everybody bought into this. Mm. Everybody bought into Black Lives Don't Matter. These young black men, young children, boys, their lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. And everybody bought into taking a round peg and sticking it into a square hole. Yeah. 
This happens to us very much today. It still happens today. And you, you still even got men that have, have, are still serving out sentences, being innocent, that are still serving out sentences that, you know, were in there before them brother and are still there. That's yes. another brother came years. out recently after 30 in years. Philly. Finally saw freedom. Because and then the what does DNA. that actually look like for him? You know what I mean? It's a whole new world. You know, so it's like thinking wow. about these things, like how, like it's, it's like they're not dead, but their lives are being taken away, just, just, just the same. And it's like starting over as a stranger in a new land. Mm-hmm. And you know being, I mean? being institutionalized, right? Because we don't like they're not going away to sleepaway camp, like. And, and as we, we talked about the social condition of being cultivated inside of a white consciousness experience and becoming a cop or a, a prison guard or working in whatever working capacity that you are that comes and interacts with these young men that are in prison unjustly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it affects their psychological, their self-concept already damaged from the time they got into the world because our society is built inside of a white consciousness. America being built on the fact that it's a good idea for us to stay, take these people from over here and bring them over here, and we're going to have our scientists over here piddling around and writing reports and then we're going to push it into the social strata, and we're going to make everyone accept this as reality and as truth, and then we're going to make these people, we're going to stay, brand them and make them workers mm-hmm. and treat them like cattle. Mm-hmm. That, that takes a real, like, it's diabolical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's psychotic, <laughs> sociopathic, narcissistic, like, exactly. And there's a whole room full of people on multiple levels mm-hmm. that bought into this consciousness that we just gonna chuck these people off and they don't matter. Right. Why? Because we need someone to do something for us. We're not gonna create a system where we get to have our outcomes and from some sort of way of equity because we have an issue and we have a need. We're just going to create this great harebrained scheme. And there was a lot of breakdown because I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of breakdown, a lot of systems that are supposed to work in theory, but when it's in application, it does not work that way because you have the element of human error. Mm-hmm. And then you have people's condition, their social, their perspective, how they choose to do the work, how they choose to bring whatever they're bringing to the work and the application of the work. So whatever that was created, that was also not a reality. They just decided to just dehumanize these people and make them animals. So inside of that system, we are all, are, we are all entering into this space, even from early childhood, into that consciousness. And it's important that we go back and recollect ourselves and our thoughts and re-strategize. And that's where everyone across the human landscape gets to look at that as a reality. Right. And we'll look at how how our young black boys and our young black black girls are being um, looked at or how they're seeing the world look at them. Because yeah. they're not stupid. Right. <laughs> they, they see what's yeah. going on. They know what they feel. They know what's happening. You know what I mean? So it's like it's, it's, we're, not, we're not in a time anymore of like trying to like tell fairy tale stories to keep right. them appeased. They got to know the real no. deal. You know, because they are smart and they can take it. You know what I mean? And like it's, the, it, it's more protection to let them know the realities of the world right. than to like try to like cover it up right. with presents and, and, and iPads and other stuff. You know, so it's, it's 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 a responsibility because like, and you know, I'll, I'll say this with the there was one particular part, um, you know where, where I mean, you know, Corey Wise or Jarrell, uh, Jerome, who's like that's that like was just a great like, yeah, um, boom, performance. Boom, boom, boom to him. He, he did um, his thing. 
where he just he just broke down. It was like a pinnacle thing that's like reflected, and it, and it, and, it, and it brought me it brought me a bit to tears thinking about it because it's like this is the perception that a lot of young men have is like no one gives a fuck about me. No one no one cares about me. No 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 one no one's worried about me when the yeah. when the priest. You know, had him come and collect a phone call from his mother about his, you know, his his his, his brother who transitioned, um, and and you know them telling him he's like, why are you telling me this? Why why did you bring me out here? And it's to it's to we're we're just trying to protect you. Don't worry about that. And he's you know he's like, what do you mean? Like this is this is not protecting me. This is not. No one cares about me. No one no one no one gives a shit about me. Yeah. And, you know, and he and he embraced the officer who he have a guard who he happened to you know. Um, I guess build a bond with, and just like that moment, you know, like even the embrace and like just the pain, you could feel it, and it, it just powerful. it was a it was a really powerful just moment in time, um, that reflected on like for me personally the whole existence of being a young black man in the U.S. Um, yeah, seeing how how we're seen, um, and especially the past few years of my adulthood looking at like how we the Trayvons and the Mike Browns and just like so many people, so many of our um, young men are just being killed. It's like not even just like putting behind bars. Let's just kill them. You know, let's just just end them off. We, we can't do anything else. We don't know what else to do. They're still they're still coming. So let's just kill them. You know, and it's um, and then seeing young brothers in, in that I've I've come into contact with that have just felt like, oh well, you know, no one no one cares about me. Right. You know, no one cares about life. No one cares about my life. It doesn't matter. You know, and and I've run into that. You know, and so it's it's so disheartening. It's disheartening because you know it's like this, like you've, this vacant esteem, which is you know something that uh, Dr. Joy DeGru talks about in post traumatic slave syndrome. This, right. This this idea of vacant esteem, where you just feel like you have nothing, just like nothing to lose, um, and everything to gain from whether it be harm or you know something else. That's where our youth are left with. You know, there's hope growing, but there's a lot of our youth are left with that experience and that that thought process and. And it's and it's up to the elder generations, the millennial, the elder, like to really get into a space of guidance, get into a space of protection, um, to have them think better of themselves, have them think highly, more highly of themselves and their worth and their mattering. So it's it's well, up to us to instill that. And but and I say this also acknowledging that there's a lot of us that have to have that same conversation mm-hmm. even as adults. Yes. Um, so I'm very clear on that. That means whatever yes. that therapy gets to look like for us as adults that have been beaten and tried and, 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 and gone through everything under the sun. Yes. Um, from the eldest to the grandma to, you know, the big mama to the, the ancestral energy, the epigenetic yes. trauma. We, we got to heal from that, too, and then pass that healing down. So that's you know, it's, it's imperative and we need we need to get to it. That's well, it all period. starts with uh, acceptance. Yes. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, apprehension around even acknowledging the experience, mm-hmm. and the reason that is is because energy transfers. Yeah. And if you are being cultivated inside of white-centered consciousness, even though you live in a brown skin, it, everything you do, you're going to experience from another consciousness. So. When people who have had a white culture experience get to experience the systems that have been created um, in a very... There, there aren't enough adjectives to speak to how diabolical this experience has been for people, including 
white people and people who have had a yeah. white cultural experience. Because this experience happened to Africans, but it also happened to people who have had a white cultural experience. Right. Right? Um, so they really get to look at that. And you know the first thing that shows up? They want to call it psychological. They want to call it guilt. They want to call it shame. Yeah, it's shameful. It is definitely shameful that in all the systems that it took to implement slavery as an institution, no one thought for a minute that, you know what, this really might not be a good idea. <laughs> I'm just saying. No one thought. Nobody. It didn't occur to no one that, wow, you know what, these are some really different people. They're not like us, but they're some different people. And they have history. They can probably, they have things to offer our human landscape, but we're just going to rip them away and destabilize because, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a conversation of what happened to Africans here as a result of it, but there's a huge conversation as to what happened to the continent as a result of millions of people being taken from there and shipped across the ocean through the sub-Saharan slave trade and the transatlantic slave trade for Millions and millions and millions and millions of people were stolen from Africa. So, um, yeah, there's a sense of shame that occurs. So when you get confronted with this information and you experience a different type of energy, for one, you may not have ever developed your African energy as a whole, period. So if you came into this world's earth space and you develop in a situation where you don't have an identity, what has taken hold of your, your, your consciousness is white consciousness. So when the apprehension shows up and not wanting to deal with this, I don't want to deal with it, it's heavy, it makes me upset, it bothers me, it takes my energy, like, knock it off, you grown. <laughs> knock it off. Cut it off. That doesn't help. <laughs> so this is about you now because our ancestors didn't function that way. Yeah. Our ancestors contributed to generations forward. They made, it was a part of the social concept that you had a system for your kids. The father was a welder. The father built, made shoes. He taught his son to make shoes. That was that family's gift to the social context. If the father was a builder, a, car a carpenter, he taught that skill. Like, and that, that was what was trained into you to give to the to society yeah. as a contributing member, as an asset to the society. It built in a certain value system and integrity with the way you do your work right. because it stood with your family's name. See, that's African, right? Um, and these are things that you don't have access to. Mm -hmm. So when you get confronted with these things that says, oh, this thing wrong, you experience it as shame. Mm -hmm. And people like to look away from shame. People like to look away from when they've done something that is not right. They don't want to take responsibility. They, they experience embarrassment. Yeah. And they want to shy away from that experience. But I'm here to tell you, ignorance is for African is detrimental to your health. It's irresponsible for you not to teach it to your children. Right. It's irresponsible, especially given the facts of our society that we're living today. And right now, we are living in a society that has made uh, prison a business, which means we now need to pad prisons with people to hold them. And there was even one of the private prison companies that were suing the government for not ensuring that their doors stay full. Hook a crook. So the exonerated five is going to happen because it's a part of the residual makeup of the system. Mm -hmm. you, 
Africans are not running around here hollering and cussing and carrying on with police. We've never actually done that. There have been incremental times like, um, you know, revolts and different things like that. But by and large, we're not out here like flipping over government buildings and walking into government buildings and flipping off judges. And we don't be doing stuff like that. We really don't. And the making of the ghetto, if there was actually circumstances that were available for people to sustain themselves, you wouldn't have as much crime. A lot of times, the yeah. crime that's done in the hood is done out of survival. Exactly. It's a it's mechanism done out of survival. survival. It's robbing or beating people if necessary. It's getting to the Robbing is getting stealing. to the right, exactly. It's getting to the like, I need to get this. Sorry. By any means, but because it's a I means gotta of survival. eat. You know what I mean? Gotta eat, they may not have that set conversation outright, even. But for the most part, that's the that's it's a, it's, it's a reaction to a circumstance. It's a reaction to a circumstance, and by and by and large, when you talk about stuff like black or black crime and all that, blah blah, it's just by virtue of survival. I mean, by virtue of uh, environment. Yes. Who's in the surroundings? That's right. who's there. That's all I got access to. Right. So you know that's that's by virtue of of proximity. And those circumstances are also social conditioning, social engineering, um, the making of a ghetto. And that's when we look at it from a microcosm. We can also look at it from a macrocosm. You know, we talk about the making of a ghetto, but we can talk about a making of, quote, unquote, third world countries Mm -hmm. or countries that are not as developed. Right. Right. So that we can always ensure a ready ready and willing labor force. Mm -hmm. So as the African in America is waking up and they're choosing different mechanisms, there is an, a huge influx consistently of individuals choosing to migrate to this country under the illusion of home of the free, home of the brave, send us your poor, destitute, blah, blah, blah. They all come to this country under the guise of they're going to make it big because of the American mm-hmm. dollar. And the American dollar has its power due to an illusion of a conversation. <laughs> right? So it's all an illusion in all reality. But there are people that come here who are willing and who jump right into line with the social strata and then the oppressed becomes the oppressor just that quick so dr umar made a comment earlier in a video that i uh, saw earlier this week where he said that the people of color conversation doesn't really serve black folks Mm. africans it doesn't Mm. really serve you because as long as you are stuffed into a box with people of color you don't get your unique needs met right and people of color conversation is strictly a conversation of most majority of people who migrated here under their own accord. People of color conversations, not people that were forced, stolen, and brought here, and forced to work here, and then generations later just had to figure it out. Right. right? People of color are not a part of that conversation. People of color came on after the fact. Mm-hmm. After the, the groundwork was laid, after the foundation was already put in place, and lives were lost, and they have a, a different, unique conversation. Right. So it is. It is. It needs acknowledgement, and it also needs individual and specific service in order to repair. There is a people of con- of color conversation yeah. where we have a landscape of humanity, absolutely. And then there's a, a larger landscape of humanity conversation that encompasses healing for all across the Earth's family and across healing the family tree, absolutely. However, when we talk about social conditioning and funding and research and supply and hiring practices and and labor is very important to stabilizing a community to stabilizing a community so we'll get an opportunity to build that conversation out a little bit more um so that we can understand how labor actually works and whether or not it's actually working in the benefit of the african 
or to his disadvantage. Right. I always talk to you about the SWOT analysis, which is economic theory of strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. What is threatening stabilizing the African community? Healing the African soul epigenetically, socially, mentally, spiritually. What is what would be what are the things that we need to put into our space to heal our dynamic? So every time it's diluted and there's a new offshoot and offshoot and offshoot and offshoot and offshoot and offshoot, it takes away the center focus from the foundation and it takes away all of your attention and energy. Energy, a laser is this way, here, and it gets maximum impact by being focused. Once you take that energy and you do this and you spread it out, it gets, it does no longer get as much impact because it's shot out and that's just basic conversation of, you know, you're looking at a physics conversation here. You sit in your energy everywhere and you don't have any opportunity to put your energy into a funnel that gives you maximum impact. Mm. And because we live in a consciousness and a white center consciousness, and a white center consciousness, someone wins and someone loses. In an African context, there's an amicable treaty or agreement that can be made so that everyone wins. That's the difference in consciousness, right? So since we all are functioning within a white center consciousness and within the consciousness that has been created and given to us, we believe that if black folks win, other people of color will lose. If black people win, if people of color win, then white people will lose. Like, that's all an illusion. That is entirely an illusion. Yeah. And when we get to really recognize that the people actually have the power to make difference and also to change our social conditioning as to how we relate to each other, because I can't get into too many stories as to my experiences with a variety of people of color and people of color's experiences that they've told me that they've dealt with with African people here, because a lot of times people of color coming from other underserved countries come to this country and they move into communities that are also, are also underserved. Mm. They move to ghettos. Mm. So they are around a certain kind of element and they are mistreated. And it affects the way that they evolve in this society. Right. And it affects the way that they interact with the African. Right. And by virtue of intelligence, it is insane to continue to do the same thing and expect different results. Right. So if I've been living in this hood ghetto with some of these low vibration people who are undercultured, undereducated, and misbehave all the time, I'm going to get away from them and I'm going to train my kids to not be friends with them, to not marry them, to right. not connect with them, and to stay away from them. Right. That they are dangerous and they will hurt you. Why? Because that's the smart thing to do. But that doesn't speak to the entire landscape of all Africans or of all communities, mm -hmm. underserved communities, and the residents that live there. Because by virtue of social engineering, the making of a ghetto, mm -hmm. that's created, much like right. created global, quote-unquote, third-world countries. Why? Right. Because we need to always maintain, because eventually things will evolve. That's based on philosophy, science, and etc. Migration patterns and all these things over the course of looking at civilization. There will be migration. There will be a change in the mm. social strata. The social strata here in America is, is, is changing. And this is why we have so much upheaval coming from the white hand or the white side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Because the social context of this American living experience is changing rapidly. Yeah. And the Latino, Hispanic, Puerto Ricans, and all of our individuals coming from other Latin countries are now 
here in America and their numbers are increasing and they have a problem with that. Mm. So now they want to build walls, they want to create this hypersensitivity mm. to people with this background. Anybody, you know, we were mad at we're mad at Mexicans. We don't want any Mexicans here. We're gonna put children in cages at the freaking border. Who does that? And why have us as a humanity, how why is it that we have allowed this? Right. Exactly. We've seen people in cages before. It was called slavery. <laughs> yeah. It was called convict leasing. We know how that turns out. Why have we allowed this today? We've allowed this because by any means necessary, what needed to be done? They marched for 368 days, I believe, with Martin Luther King to change the bus system. It was 381. 381 days? so. Okay, we'll go with 381 days. It was a long time. I'm just saying, what needs to happen needs to happen. What needs to be done needs to be done. Footwork. Footwork. Right, everybody's like, yeah, I got to go to work. That's what we have now. As you long as that, I mean? see, you know what that is? That's willful imprisonment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what plantation you go to. You got to own it. You've been branded. It is what it is. When mm-hmm. you go into work, mm-hmm. or you're going to stand for children being put in cages on the borders and taken from their families. Mm-hmm. Where we at with this conversation, humanity? Where are we with it? We really got to get clear to the conversation of what's working against us, and we get to, to deal with our, our unique circumstances within that space. And I understand the clarity that we've been lulled into this docile state of like, right. of of dealing with our just dealing with our existence again from the the, the aspect of the learned helplessness. Right. It is just like oh I'm I'm angry but only for like a few seconds. Right. You know what I mean like I think it was like the past like a few years ago with the whole thing about the blackouts during Black Friday yes. and and Christmas and all that and, and like some people are like well where am I get my my food from where am I get this from where am I get that from when it's like you know. That's a that's a, a great question. And like, have you looked to your people? Have you looked to black-owned grocery stores? Have you looked to uh, black-owned X Y Z? But also looking to like how much access is that is available to that. And now that mean that that forces you to look at the landscape of what we're missing out on as a people economically. You know, like uh, and 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 and. and that's where we get kind of lost with the, going back to the people of color conversation. It's like we're not looking at the unique circumstances that we're dealing with still, as African people, as you know, black people in America, and, and you know, in, in the in these 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 places that have been stripped of real access right. to economic growth. What yes. that looks like food, what it looks like you know, you know, electronics, like apply, like you know, like different things that we need for basic essentials to the family state that we we don't even know where we're going to get that from we can't even fathom that and if we were to like go on strike against the system right now you know let me footnote that with a little reference for you for those Mm. who want to get an introduction to that conversation of the global landscape Mm. um john perkins confessions of an economic hitman just take a little dip into that it's a very short short book simple read very mild conversation and gives you a look at that global landscape as Mm. to how it looks like when that boardroom decides to mm-hmm. go and put somebody else, work, their whole country on the chopping block mm-hmm. and make them at the end of the crosshairs. We're going to shoot confessions of an economic hitman. Who we're going to put into those crosshairs and who we, and I don't know why we feel like we got the, the right to be able to say we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna X this country out. Mm-hmm. They, they lose mm-hmm. because our, on our say. Right. Who gets to do that? Right. 
especially us here. You know what I mean? Because you look at when you want to look at the ideas of a revolution. Because we talk about a revolution, everyone talks about nice ideas of like revolution. Oh, I'm not my ancestors. Like, yeah, you're damn sure aren't your ancestors because mm-hmm. they were fighting in the streets, writing in the then and there where they had to because it was like you, you you're not going to take us into the night. We're not going to go peacefully into the night. We we want our justice, and that's happened. A lot of them may be tired now, but they that's because they put in the footwork. Yeah. So you will look at today's landscape. You got all these like symbols of revolution happening right now. Latin America and Puerto Rico. You got yes. revolution going on. Like you know it. what I mean. Like there's stuff happening. There's like pieces that are like looking at you know pieces of what freedom actually looks like and and self reliance and self efficacy looks like. And if if the U S government took stuff away from us right now that we see as basic essentials, what would the fuck? What would we do? What would we do if they took away like how how we get our food or how or how we you know get access to water all that type of stuff? What would we do? You better hope you got a friend that's from an island. Do you know how to grow food? Do you, you know how to protect yourself? You better connect with some of your brothers exactly. and sisters exactly. across the diaspora exactly. because they be knowing. They get it. They know what it is to grow food, they to protect knowing. family, to build the weapons, to build to, to build the to homes, sustain. to sustain, to make to make it that village barter system of like yes. you have this skill that supports me, I have the skill that supports you, we have the skill to support each other, and and to continue to rebuild the village even if it crumbles. We got it together from and from we where we are versus being like I don't know what to do because this outside force or this government has made me dependent on what they've they've, they've given me, which or is where we at and here. Then, you know, we're <laughs> and it's like you know we're looking at we're, it's like we're, it's like we're in the house looking outside at our friends playing because we we don't know we we don't know what to do. Everyone else is getting this understanding of like what it means to march in streets and droves to to hundreds of thousands of people in the streets, whether it's like in Asia or whatever the case may be. All over the world is happening, and somehow we can we we oh, we can only see that through memes, and and like look and look at the nice idea of it and be like, wow, that's dope, and then. We're literally dealing That's with it. a semblance of that right now in our own place. And we we're allegedly talking about we have the resources and this, this, and that. And what, so what are we doing? Especially what are we doing in the, in the, at the core as black, as black, as African people in our communities? What are we doing to step up other than, like, not, um, other than worrying about going to work for somebody else? And But see, that's not even the biggest conversation here because if it all fell to crap, your what paycheck now? wouldn't be worth nothing. It'd be worth nothing, right? It wouldn't be worth a thing. I mean, look at everything um, as a social construct. Anyway, everything's always been created be as a face thing. of like, yeah. What else can you do outside of your basic nine to five? Right. Do you have any skills? Have you educated yourself in any way to be able to support an emergency? Mm-hmm. Right. And we talk about these things, but I don't know if we are actually standing in how the gravity of the depth of these things. Police officers killing unarmed civilians—that's shit. Our society has gone to shit. That is absolute disorder. Mm-hmm. That is an impossibility that you've made it okay for police to shoot unarmed citizens. And get away with it and go on And vacation. get away with it. And it's okay. That means that our society is going to shit people. And you really want to be clear about that. Like, we can poo-poo around a lot of things. But the reality of it is, we need a real social check-in. Mm-hmm. We are losing our sensitivity to humanity. That's not good. Really? We wanted to talk about the food situation, y'all, but I don't know if we're going to get around to having a depth enough conversation about it tonight. Well, we'll kick but it we off for the next show. we will revisit that. Yeah. But I do want you to take a look at, you've been going into the grocery stores and you've been meeting a lot of fruits and vegetables without seeds. Check your watermelons. Your watermelons used to have seeds. There is scientists in a lab that have created 
strains, every living organism has a DNA code, which is all that it takes in your, in your biological, biophysiological makeup is right. inside of your DNA, um, including plants. So they have now been fiddling with the plants, and now these plants are being grown with no seeds. Mm. Who would want you not to have seeds? Who would want, in case of some circumstance, that you would not be able to get access to food? Because if I control your food, then I can tell you what to do. Exactly. If you can't grow seeds, ding, ding, ding. so knowing how to grow seeds would be great if you had some seeds to grow. Why would someone want to do that? Why would that be someone's goal? Look at, there's also fruits and vegetables that they've created something, a scientist, we posted today, earlier this week on Sound Bites. He talks about an RNA, um, uh, scientists have developed this RNA, a way to get to your, your RNA and your DNA code into the plant's DNA code that would have insects as a means to the, the idea of it was for it to kill the insects and make them unable to reproduce. And he says that this very same science can actually be used to target the RNA strain inside of human beings and targeted to specific demographics. So African people have a very specific DNA code. Their genetic makeup is very unique. And let's say for his, his theory is that the same way that they use, they, they code the plant to reach a certain RNA code within the insect and make the insect incapable of reproducing, reproducing is the same way that they could use that plant as we consume it. Mm-hmm. to attach itself to our RNA, mm-hmm. male or female, particularly men, and reduce their sperm counts um, and make them incapable of reproduction. You Who wanna, yeah. would want to do that? You want to keep an eye on demographic targeting, too. Demographic like where, ta- where is that access to? You might want to take yourself to other communities and go grocery shopping in their grocery stores. Exactly. Go to other community grocery stores and shop at their stores. Because they always get the... they always Because they're, they have... A, a communication system within their ciphers, within their community, that puts out information that would get them out of harm's way. Because they are clear that this social system right here is not supporting our community. Mm-hmm. We're clear about that. We are not, we're not, we don't want to smile. We don't care about your skin and gritting and niceties. Keep them, thank you. But we are clear that by virtue of your actions and the biggest indicator of the future is the past, that you don't like us. And we don't, we're not going to allow you to make decisions for us, our health, our future, our youth, and our development. If they can get inside of your systems, they can get inside of your future, right? If they can get into your biophysiological system, they can get into your future because that will impact the birth of your next generations. So when we have our generations that we're looking at today and there are certain things that is happening with them, their lack of emotional connection, um, there's certain things that's behavioral that we're not in a science lab that if you're actually looking at our youth of today there's something very different about our youth today mm-hmm. as a result of the 80s coming off of the crack era mm-hmm. we are in recovery from the crack era mm-hmm. right that trauma that this situation is social trauma that uh, this situation with the exonerated five was emotional trauma and we are clear that scientists have now stated that trauma 
changes your DNA. It's epigenetic. It's epigenetic. It impacts you in a very biophysiological kind of sort of way. Yeah. So this is affecting our generations and our youth and the way that they're coming into the world and the way that they're growing. Um, even if you go, let's just say, for instance, if you went to the Museum of Natural History and you look at animals, they were once a lot bigger than they are now. Hmm. Certain animals were a lot bigger than they are now. As a result of evolution, they have shrunk. And as a result of the social condition and climate change and a lot of variety of things has changed the way that they grow. There's a reason for that. Yeah. So we don't think about some of these things in our comings and goings on a day-to-day basis because we live within our circumstances. We are this close to our lives and our living circumstances and this is our little microcosm that we are living in and we don't think outside of it. We don't venture outside of that and understand the various systems that impact our living experience. Maybe it's too heavy. I don't know enough. Well, guess what? Start learning. Just start. Start learning. <laughs> Just start. Little by little, YouTube is the best thing that ever happened to yeah. us as a community in this time. If you have the information, it's because you chose not to have it. Because it's out there. And you want to cross-reference your sources. Because sometimes information is jaded because of the perspective. Mm-hmm. I happen to be a social scientist myself, yeah. so I believe in being able to look at information diplomatically. Not because I'm an African. I'm looking at information from an African perspective. No, I can look at information from a, you know, unbiased perspective because I see it as information. Yeah. Right? And I can, even if I don't have a capacity to understand or comprehend a concept, I would say to you, well, I'm bringing this forward and I was thinking about this. Do some more research on it. Let's talk about it. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to deter you from something because I have a hiccup in that particular area. I want you to win. And guess what? You might get out there and get the information and be able to bring it back to me. Exactly. So then we're only as strong as our weakest link. So it would behoove me, behoove me to tell you, you know what? I have weakness in this area. You tighten it up. Right? I'm not going to say, well, because I have weakness in this area, I'm just going to shut off that conversation entirely. Exactly, yeah. I'm not going to have a conversation about people of color because, you know, my wife, I'm married to a Puerto Rican wife. Really? So you're biased because your wife is Puerto Rican, so you can't have a people of color conversation? You can't have a third world country conversation? You can't have a global conversation about labor because you're married to a Puerto Rican wife? That doesn't make sense. That's not Mm. smart. Because guess what? Single drop of love makes your children African. So it's irresponsible as a parent to not address those things. And if you look at your genealogy and your, your historical line, you'll probably find more Africans on your, line, on, your, on your family tree than you thought was there. Right. So listen, family. Yeah. We thank y'all Peace again for joining. Family. Peace and blessings and power. Thank, thank you for joining us for another soundbite. Thank you for receiving from us. Um, it matters. Absolutely. Um, receive from us every week. We'll, 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 um, we'll touch further on the, you know, the health and um, weight loss and, and the looking at your seeds and checking your watermelons um, next week. Um, but it's an ongoing conversation. Grapefruit. Checking grapefruit. Checking grapefruit. I guess you check your grapefruit. Check your melons. She like grapefruits. Well, but like, check the melons. And check your cucumber. And your grapes. The cucumbers used to, well, grapes haven't had seeds for a long time. Damn. There have been seedless grapes for a very long time. I remember. Yeah, but he said it was and Back in the 80s, they came out. But there's an option though. Now no, it's but no I haven't option. been seeing it in the grocery store. That's what I'm saying. I haven't been seeing the big fat ones with all the with the four seeds in the middle. Okay. They're not even selling them very much anymore. Listen. It's a problem, people. 
we gonna talk about it. So we gonna we gonna put that at the top gonna, of our agenda yeah, for next week. Some, we're doing some food justice. Yeah, we stuff. doing food justice. So we're stuff. gonna get some interviews talk- set up for you to bring some people in here to teach you how to conserve the seeds that you do find. That's our that's one of our research things that we're doing to bring you some value in that area. Right. We're going to bring in someone who can tell you how to conserve the seeds Working that on, you yep. do find. Yep. We're gonna okay? do that. Okay. Because you may need them, and there is ways to preserve the seeds that you do find. Definitely. So. We're going we, we to um, take it down for the night. We're going to close out with a song. Because, um, you know, we try to get you out on some vibes, get you thinking, get you rolling. Um, and we're going we're gonna to close out with some revolution thoughts, right? So, peace and blessings to your family. We'll see you next week. This is Soundbites to National Radio, where black consciousness is the claim, one world, one world is the is aim. The aim. Um, Hasir Ka Nefera. Nefera to Ma'ati Yes, it is. Peace and um, blessings. This is to National Radio. And namaste. Absolutely. So we're going to close out with this cut from the brother Rainstorm called Revolution, featuring yours truly. And we're going to get Ashe. up out of here. Peace. One love, y'all. Vibe out until the video close. No standard yeah. brown, yeah. young boy, you got things standing, you know, looking cool and shit, now, you standing up. 22-0, buyer's remorse, they feeling the force, like Nat Turner all on their porch, man of course their hair is coarse, so the crown don't shift, cause of they tricks, this how my ancestors drown, don't shift, I swear to God, yeah my God, let my spirit be still, cause the colonizer minds won't let my mental be chill, look in the eyes of a panther, salute to my folk, 50 plus years in the same fight, gotta stay woke, man they try to lull us to sleep, play my people for sheep, diabolically underhanded, sweep the rug from my feet, if we play in this game then fuck it, I'm playing for kicks, march on with a fist high to no more families weak. Black and brown still in the crosshairs. Spiritual warfare, the NRA can suck it. Her youth need more cares. Gender bias and hate, how to make America great. The revolution is now, cause the future can't wait. It's time to raise a fist high for the people. It's the same we gotta fight to be equal. Time's now, the time is now to be real. Are you ready for revolution? Time to raise a fist high for the people. It's the same we gotta fight to be equal. Time's now, the time is now to be Yeah. Want us to find the cheat codes, they ain't playing fair Keep jacking up the train fare, but we ain't paying here Want us to do the dirty work in the neighborhood Then when it's all cleaned up, guess who's staying there? They want the paper and the plastic, couldn't plaster up these walls fast enough To stop the roaches and the rat shit actually got places But it's still no hot water, no clean water, or no sort of order What we supposed to tell our sons and our daughters What we fought for, to let a bigot stop us, is not what we taught y'all So for now, you're forewarned, just Move on and forward, let nothing hold you back Just do that, Kaepernick it, oh lord He's going overboard, trying to make it by the flag You know it's so much more, love who you wanna love There's no limit involved If you ever felt the limits, then listen This is for y'all, for all, it's time to Time raise a fist high for the people It's the same we gotta fight to be equal Time is now, the time is now to be you Are you ready for revolution? Time to raise a fist high for the people It's the same we gotta fight to be equal Time's now, time's now to be